morning, friends. My name is Christian Kuhn. I'm the lead pastor of Urban Village, and I'm usually at the South Loop site, but today I'm uh, blessed to be here with you at Wicker Park. Uh, I was really grateful for Mary's testimony this morning for lots of reasons. I resonate because I'm a parent, too. I have a daughter who's a freshman in high school. I have a son who's a fifth grader. And a few weeks ago, my uh, wife and I were in a setting with our kids, uh, along with somebody else that we had just met, and they had three kids, who two of whom were almost the exact same age as my kids are. And so the immediate response from my wife and I to our kids was, whoa, a chance for you to make some new friends. And um, <clears throat> they immediately looked at us like we had said, we want you to strip naked and roll around in the snow. <clears throat> because for kids sometimes, like the thought of like, especially grown-ups, like forcing friendship, like we want you to make friends, they kind of repel from that. Normally, friendship happens kind of on their own time in their own way as well. But now I was reading an article that has science tied to friendship and companionship so I can give them science, which is what they love too when we do that as parents uh, as well. <clears throat> this article was given to me, uh, it was from the Washington Post, and it was from a couple of months ago, and it <clears throat> excuse me, shows that loneliness is increasingly seen today as a serious health hazard, a serious public health hazard. And so there have been studies done on our genes and how it affects people who are socially isolated. In one instance, there was a psychologist named Steve Cole from the UCLA School of Medicine, who along with his colleagues did this work where they looked at immune system responses of people who are lonely. And what they found was that social isolation, loneliness, turns up the activity of genes responsible for inflammation, and social isolation turns down the activity of genes that produce antibodies to fight infection. And so I can give kids science with this as well. And it reminded me of a quote that was given by a guy named John Ortberg, who's an author and pastor, who cited a study similar to this one, who said, therefore, I take from this science that it is better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. So take that as you will. Um, you know, we live in this huge city. And one thing that I learned when I moved into the city, I lived in the suburbs, but when we moved into the city, it struck me, and I should have known this before, but it struck me what a mecca Chicago is for people, young adults, who grow up in the Midwest. Like, that's the time to go and live in this city at that time in your life. And I remember for myself, too, I was 24 when I moved to Chicago. Actually, I moved to Evanston for a job. And I remember that uh, my dad came out. We rented a U-Haul, and I drove my car. My dad drove the U-Haul, and he helped me unpack. And then I drove him downtown to get, for him to get on a Greyhound bus. And he went back to Iowa, which is where I was living. And I remember very distinctly driving my car back up to Evanston along Lakeshore Drive, north on Lakeshore Drive, and just feeling this overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety, thinking, what have I done of moving to this city that has so many people, 2.7 million people, and how is it that a city that large and so many people, and yet there are also so many people who feel anxiety and fear and loneliness at the same time? It's a very real thing, especially in this age of social media where we see pictures and images, and it seems like everybody is having this great time all the time, 
and then you think to yourself, I'm not having that great time. Why am I not having that great time? And then we feel like we're the only ones who are feeling this way. But I'm here today to tell you that you are not the only one who feels that you are the only one who's not having this great time. And not the only one who is feeling lonely. Lots of people feel the exact same way, which is one reason why we wanted to do this sermon series that we're calling FaceTime, Overcoming Loneliness Together. So we want to unpack loneliness and also unpack friendship as well as it applies to our own faith lives. You know, at Urban Village, we talk a lot about community, and we often will talk about small groups and the necessity for you to be in small groups. And at times, you might feel like my kids did, and you're like, back off already. I'll, I'll do it at my own pace. And yet, being in relationship is so vital to who we are as Christians. I mean, it comes from the very beginning of the scriptures, Genesis 2.18, right? God created the first human. God looks down and realizes, 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. So we know this is at the core of who we are as Christians, that we are meant to be together, that we are meant to be in relationship. But I also know that it is particularly hard for people who are more shy. It's hard for people who are more introverted, like I am, to make that uh, effort to be in relationship, especially with somebody new, because you may go into a setting where it's a networking kind of thing, or you go into a bar, whatever it is, and there's all these people, and the fear just rises up in yourself, and you feel like, I've got to somehow introduce myself to everybody. That's really tough. So we want to talk about what that means. Especially, we want to take a look today at this scripture, and some of the qualities that we see in the two main characters of this story, Saul and Ananias. This man named Saul later would become Paul for people who grew up in the church or have some uh, knowledge of what the Christian faith is all about. This name Paul may sound familiar to you. Paul was a guy who had an experience that we read about today with the resurrected Christ and totally changed his life because of that. And before that, we read at the very beginning of the text, this was a different kind of guy. It says, meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So we think about characteristics that we want from friends or characteristics that we want with people that we want to be in relationship with. Breathing threats and murder is not one of the characteristics usually that we're going to name in our top 10 list. And yet here is the guy that we talked about becomes Paul, who was so responsible for the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul journeyed all throughout what is today Greece and Turkey, starting new churches and telling others about this amazing experience that he had. But he didn't start off that way. He started off as a threat to Christianity, started off, I'm guessing, with a personality that probably nobody wanted to be around too much. And so we, when we read about his conversion, that's a fascinating story. But today I want to skip over that a little bit and focus in on, chap, or on verse 10 and then going from there, especially with another guy who shows up named Ananias, <clears throat> whose name means God is merciful. Ananias is one of my heroes in the faith. He doesn't show up a lot. Really, this is kind of his main a time that he's on the, the stage, and yet he does so many things that I admire. We learn later in the book of Acts that Ananias is 
a faithful Jew who's following Jesus. This is just the kind of guy that Saul is persecuting. And so because of his faithfulness, we can imagine perhaps that Ananias is here or is in prayer and he receives this vision from the Lord. This is what the text tells us. He receives this vision from the Lord. And I love to use my imagination when I look at the scriptures to try to figure out exactly what's going on between the lines. So I can imagine perhaps that Ananias has received this vision from the Lord and he's kind of excited about it. God says, the Lord says, I have a great opportunity for you. And Ananias says, here I am, Lord. And the Lord says, okay, get up. And Ananias says, yes. And the Lord says, now go to the street called Straight. And Ananias says, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And God says, at the house of Judas. And Ananias says, okay, I know the place. And the Lord says, I want you to find a man from Tarsus. And Ananias says, Tarsus, I got that. I know where that is. And then finally, the Lord says, and this man's name is Saul. And if you can imagine, perhaps, silence. Because Ananias has heard about this guy named Saul. This is the guy who has, you remember, been threatening people who are followers of the way, like Ananias. And so I'm imagining that Ananias is thinking, oh, Lord, maybe is there a different kind of person that you want me to go see? Or maybe there's another Saul, not from Tarsus, that you would like me to go and be in relationship with. But the Lord says, this is the guy, go. And then he begins, the Lord begins to give Ananias instructions about what he is to do. And the final part, this is in verse 16, it says, the Lord says, I myself will show Saul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And then starts verse 17, it says, so Ananias went. I love to look at punctuation in the scriptures here. The Lord says these things, for the sake of my name, period, and then there's a space, and then there's a capital S that says, so Ananias went. In that space, between the period of verse 16 and the capital S in verse 17, I have to believe all kinds of things were happening in Ananias' heart and soul. I have a hard time believing that Ananias right away said, great idea, Lord, I'm going right now. Instead, Ananias had to do all kinds of really soul-searching to figure out, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to take this huge leap and begin to be in a relationship with somebody who really wants to persecute me? So this past week, I was in Florida for a few days. My mom lives in the Tampa area. My son had spring break this past week, so he and I went down to see my mom for a few days. And on Tuesday, we went to the Gulf of Mexico. And as we were there, we were on the beach. It was an overcast day, but it was in the high 70s. So as I'm standing there in my bathing suit, it feels really pretty good. But then I realized, as I look out at the water, and I have a feeling I know what's coming. My son, who's 11, just runs right into the water right away. And he says, this is great, Dad. Come on in. But one thing I've realized as I've grown older is that my joy in jumping into big bodies of water has decreased as I have gotten older, because it seems like it just is so darn cold. So I start to go out a little bit up to my ankles, and indeed, the water is freezing. 
And so I take a step or two back, and I think to myself, I'm just going to live vicariously to my son who is out in the waves playing. And I will wave to him like a good father and say, son, I see you. You're having lots of fun. That's great. I'll take a picture of you here from the sand. <laughs> but my son kept saying to me, come on, dad, come on, come on. And I'm realizing both because it seems like it's a good parent thing to do to go out into the water, not only to enjoy this with your child, but also for safety's sake, because you never know what waves will come up and everything else. So I realize I'm going to have to get into the water. So we have to muster up some kind of courage in order to do that. And I know that I'm going to have to just run and get it over with. And so I end up, that's what I do. I take a deep breath and just start running into the water. And then indeed, it, is free, it hurts. It is so cold in this water. But I finally go in and just start swimming around in order to warm up and finally get used to that water. And I wonder if that's kind of how Ananias felt. Like he knew that he was being called and led to do something that would not feel good. And so in that space, in between verses 16 and 17, he has a decision to make. Am I going to actually go and make this leap and go ahead and build this relationship? And within this space, I believe, something came over him, a courage that can only come from God, a courage that compelled him to then actually go and begin to be in relationship with this man who wanted to persecute him. And so the text tells us Ananias went because of the courage that only God can give. And so Ananias goes to begin this relationship with Saul. And the first thing he does is he lays his hands on Saul. Friends, I don't think we can overestimate the power of touch, especially in the virtual world that we live in. The first thing that Ananias does is he lays his hands on Saul to begin this relationship as a way of beginning what will become a, a unique kind of way that God will be working through this touch of Ananias, that God will be working through this relationship. So that's the first thing that Ananias does. He puts his hands on Saul. And then do you remember, did you notice, what is the very first word that Ananias says to Saul, this man who would persecute him, the very first thing that Ananias says to Saul is, brother. Brother. Oh, I loved hearing that second song today that the band played. Could it have been a more perfect song? When we're used to seeing someone as enemy, and instead Ananias sees brother. One with whom he is going to be in close relationship, maybe even friendship with. Ananias takes this courage that comes from God and breaks through any fear and anxiety that he, may ha he might have in order to call this man brother. It can be really hard for us to make friends, especially as we grow older. I think it can feel kind of awkward, and it can kind of feel like, am I doing the right thing? It seems a little weird. But we know from our faith what a deep impact friendship has on us. I felt this recently. We've talked about Trey Hall, who co-founded Urban Village with me, and his moving, he moved to England, for those who don't know, at the end of 2015. And I knew I would miss 
Trey's ministerial gifts. I knew I would miss having someone to bounce ideas off of and help kind of decide where should we should go as a church, but I underestimated the impact of his loss on our friendship or what I would miss in that. I, I miss my friend, and I can text him and call him, and that can help out a little bit, but it reminded me of just how powerful spiritual friendships can have on a person and how important they are. And I think probably we know this, and yet it is hard for us to make friends. That's something that kids do, right? Is it something that adults do? And I'm 48 years old, and I feel, and I'm finding as I grow older, not only do I find the water colder, I find it a little bit more awkward to make friends as well. Because when you get to be older, you just have your people, right? And yet it is important for us to continue to build those relationships and to make new friends. So I've decided to try to do this. Uh, about, a month, about a month ago, my wife and I went to a gathering that was put on by WBEZ, the public radio station in Chicago. And they're having it at the Lagunitas Brewing Company in Chicago. And they're going to give a tour of the brewery. And they're also going to give away two free beers and free food. And so when I saw this, this was on February 29th, Leap Year Day, I thought, how can we not go and experience this? So we went... Uh, and as we walked into the space, it's a really cool space. I've done church planting enough where I'm more comfortable in reaching out and introducing myself to strangers. But we got there. We went to the bar. We got our two free beers. I took a couple of quick sips of the beer. And I like to believe it was the Holy Spirit and not the beer that made me look and see that there was a couple sitting there by themselves talking with one another. And I thought, well, let's go sit down and talk with them. And so we sat down and started chatting and immediately we hit it off. We just started to share stories, and we started to really enjoy each other's company. And I can't tell you how good this made me feel. And I started drinking my beers more, and again, I think it was the Holy Spirit, not the alcohol. Then as we were getting to the point where I realized that we had to leave, I summoned up that courage to ask them out on a date of sorts. And so I said, you know, I... This feels really good. Would you like to have dinner sometime with my wife and I? And I felt kind of weird. And I felt a little awkward. But they said, that would be great. And you know, sometimes you say those things, but you don't really follow up on them. But a few days later, one of them emailed me, and he said, so when can we get together? So friends, this Friday, my wife and I are going on a date with this couple. And they may become friends of ours. And I can't tell you, I'm almost giddy thinking about it. Because so often we get into that place where, well, we kind of have our people. And we close ourselves off to hearing stories. And we close ourselves off to being with somebody, not only that we can just share a few laughs with, but to be in a relationship with someone that we can begin to really share who we are and be vulnerable. That we can really share our own story, which includes our anxieties and our fears, in addition to our dreams and our visions. And I think what stops us is the awkwardness and the fear of being vulnerable. We just finished that sermon series on, on naked, and that fear of being vulnerable with somebody. And it takes something from beyond ourselves to take the risk to reach out and expose ourselves and say, you know, I'd like to be in a relationship with you, a friendship with you. 
It takes that courage that Ananias felt when God called him to be in a relationship with somebody very unlike him, and yet Ananias opened himself up to receive this courage and to receive the Spirit, to take that risk, to, lace his, to place his hands on Saul and to call him brother. I think that can only come from God. And that is, friends, that courage and that spirit that came upon Ananias at that time still is here today for you and for me. This is not just some story in a book and that was it. It continues through the centuries and it's available for you and for me today. And so I think we are called to open ourselves up and when we have a sense that God or the Lord might be speaking to us and our first reaction is, I think you've got the wrong person, but instead to open ourselves up to see who might God be calling us to be in a relationship with. And we open ourselves up also to receive that courage to take that risk and to dive into what seems like cold waters but then to be in a relationship with someone who may change our lives. Friends, may we be open to hearing that voice from God and to receiving that courage and then to looking around. Maybe it's someone here today. It's looking around. Who is God calling me not only to be in a relationship with, but friendship with? Because it is not good for us to be alone. May you have that courage to take that risk May you have that courage to receive that when someone comes up to you as well so that we can do this life of faith together. Let's pray. Holy, loving, and gracious God, thank you that you are a God who was not present just with Ananias. You were not present just with Saul, with Paul, but you have been present through others throughout the years, and you are present with us today. Lord, speak to us. Come into our lives and into our hearts so that we might hear you and that we might look around and be open to others that we are called to be in relationship with, even people that we may see as enemy. May you make them friends. We pray all this in the name of the resurrected Christ. Amen.